Welcome back, Terrible Warriors, to a sequel episode. We recorded too much Dune. We spent too much time making our noble house, and we needed another bit of time to get our characters in order. And so, welcome to the second chapter of our session zero of Dune Adventures in the Imperium by Modifius. So if you haven't already listened to the last episode, well, this is a direct sequel. We pick literally right back up where we left off. We're not going to catch you up. So go back, listen to that other one. You're not going to know what we're talking about when we mention about our houses or any of the stuff we've learned about Dune because now we're acting like we're experts. But keep in mind, only one of us has ever read the book. Can you guess who? It wasn't me. And here we are on the other side. So, you might think that we've just been hanging out this whole time and only seconds have passed for you. But what has really happened is we have folded space and we have looked through time and we have seen what is yet to come. And we know the terrible purpose that we cannot avoid. And we have our characters prepared. Is that sound doing enough for you, Sean? <laughs> That sounds about right, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that'll do it. We have our house made, and we've gone through and we've created our, our, our characters because we need a little extra time to just look over that and get our concepts ready and take a break. And it's actually been two weeks for us, and <laughs> now we're back. So we, what I don't have is um, specific numbers or my talents. I'm not going to worry too much about filling out all the talents today because they're just like picking out feats in Dungeons and & Dragons, and uh, we, can, we can do that after the fact. But what I want to cover is our backgrounds, the role we fill in House Iosis, any traits we've got and what's really fun is the statements and focuses you can write in yourself so it's a little bit like fate it's certainly like star trek adventures uh but uh we we have drives and we have skills uh, drives duty faith justice power and truth combine with your skills battle communicate discipline move and understand for every die roll in the game so when you are up against a challenge and you want to roll the die you combine one drive with one skill so you might be using battle a lot in a fight but why are you using battle you would look to your drive are you doing it because of your sense of justice are you doing it because of your duty are you doing it because of your uh you're following truth that is um is up to you as the player to justify now obviously we've got uh the higher numbers on drives you're going to want to roll in that direction anyway there's a whole thing on, on on the strategy of rolling these dice that i really enjoy and that you're constantly forced to kind of metagame with your character sheet to maneuver the die to get the best possible results for you every time but uh, well, we'll see that they've, they've thrown in some uh, some rules in the way to prevent you from completely gaming the system every time you roll a die, which I which I enjoy. So uh, for now, we want to we want to cover the the flavor of these characters that we can fill in, and then we'll worry about the the fine details after the recording before I post them up onto our Patreon page. So I had an idea as we were looking at Iosis. They. Have produced. They're they're producing the the rice on this planet, the rice that is the staple across the galaxy or across the known universe, and they have a secondary trait in politics, in particular couture fashion, that they're using to maneuver their way into court. So now people are not just eating our food; they're also wearing our brands, and uh, and, and 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 we're we're we're, we're wake, making our way through. But I feel like Iosis is also. Um, a minor house that's new on the scene and we're making our, our, our first moves only because House Welderine just dislikes us. We don't have a lot of enemies yet. And uh, between our recordings, the reason they dislike us, we wrote down as debt. And I thought it would be interesting if they, we bought them out and that's why we're in charge of the rice now. They used to be the other minor house that was more or less almost in charge of everything. And then we maneuvered them out of their holdings. Uh, but in doing so, we now owe them payment and assets or whatever it is. And, and, and they expect to be compensated for this, this defeat of theirs because they have now lost their influence with House Atreides that we have the potential to gain. And that's sort of the setup of where Iosis is and where, where all our characters are as agents of this house. And what were you thinking of being? Who would like to go first? Sean, would you like to bring in? Sure. Yeah. You, you, had, you, had, a cool, you had a cool concept in mind. 
I thought so. So uh, one of the things with Atreides, uh, spoilers for the book, uh, they start to have really, really good soldiers who can actually rival the Emperor's Sardaukar. Mm-hmm. And that eventually becomes a problem for them, but we're 10 years before the book, so it's yeah. fine. It's, it's one uh, of the reasons why they're apparently given Dune in the first place, is it's not really a gift, as it's more of a trap to 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 lure them out and, and, and break them down so that they're no longer competing for power with the Emperor himself. Yeah, because they are a threat. So I figured I'd be one of the early characters who's one of those first fighter-type people. So he is a duelist uh, named Aerith Mazar. Aerith Mazar. Yeah. So his whole deal is that he is very, very good at fighting, but also he's a bit of a troubleshooter for the house. So he's also quite observant. He's sort of a combination of those two things. Yeah, I think um, you see the writing on the wall. You see where yeah. we, we, we are feeding the known universe. We need to protect that. And we need to protect those holdings because certainly a, a house like Harkonnen would, would, would love to uh, take all our food away and, and, and be in charge of those resources. And, and uh, they would literally kill for it. And they're very good at killing. <laughs> and so we need to protect that. And we have assassins coming at all. So on top of it, we're, from a, we're on a moon orbiting the home world. So we have already kind of a built-in sanctuary or security around that. And I would imagine also paranoia or a sense of like, we're the guardian orbiting this world, like uh, this, this uh, <laughs> inflated sense of ego that might not even be backed up by evidence yet. Right. But, you know, we like to think we're important and important people are targets. So <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. So, so you're our, um, they're coming to get us character. Basically, yeah, he's sort of their tr- their go-to troubleshooter. And one of the things I love about this is that they make you put a personality trait on your character sheet. It's very, very important. Mm-hmm. And so I actually put his, I did the sort of classic vampire thing with demeanor versus actual personality. Mm-hmm. So he comes across as very affable. He's a very likable character. People, he just gets along with everyone. People think he's kind of harmless. But in brackets, I put ruthless because he's actually a cold-hearted bastard. He's got his human suit on most yeah. of the time and then every now and then it slips and yes. he shows what's really going on under the surface and he's very friendly and very charming but that smile will drop and then he will drop you yep in a heartbeat yeah he'll come right through your shield very slowly with that knife <laughs> that is a talent that he in fact has. <laughs> yes. oh does it oh excellent <laughs> look at me i'm like a dude expert now <laughs> <laughs> you did it and uh, I, I realized we skipped a bit. We got a couple of steps here to go through our character creation. Step one is our concept, and that's our concept. And uh, then, then choosing an, an adept or an archetype from the list. Did you have an archetype in mind? Uh, yes, I picked duelist. Uh, yeah, of course. As the archetype. Yeah. yeah. So its primary skill is battle, and its secondary skill is move. Yes. Uh, then we got Brendan. What is? Uh, what were you thinking of? You you were you were going a little. You're you're not as um, as battle ready as, uh, no, as Sean's uh, Mazar. I went with an inf- infiltrator uh, uh, archetype just because I think working with the shadows is kind of fun. We were talking about your infiltrator idea and this this house with the with the um, uh, farming and pride where it's being traits we wrote down uh, uh, producing its rice and and what we've done recently to House Welderine and you might have been the the infiltrator who was, uh, who orchestrated that move, who, who helped move those holdings, those assets, those shares away from House Welderine into House Iosis and has now positioned us at a place where we can make our move. And, and Count Lutz likely recognizes what role you played in that in the same way that recognizes our duelist and the role you're going to play in protecting this house. And so the two of you have have very much risen up closer to being at a seat at the table, right? Like we're not part of like, we don't have a house role. We would, um, we would respond to people like dead men, Pete or to, uh, or to our marshal, um, uh, Parachim. We, we, we don't have those roles, but we're, we've moved on to potentially being only a, a, a step or a few steps away from being given one of those roles, right? And, and then I guess last but not least, uh, my, uh, my idea 
is I'm a, a bit of an outsider in the group. Um, in order to for Iosis to be able to move the rice off of Kaladin and be able to make their moves to be in a position where they could become stewards of this planet one day if, if, if Atreides ever had to leave. And, and there's, you know, I'm sure there are Mentats and Bene Gesserits that can see the, the patterns of history playing out and can tell that soon, they don't know exactly when, but maybe within the decade, the Empire is going to have to make a move against Atreides as he continues to earn, gain power and popularity. He's also beloved by the people. And, uh, and, and if he should be given the spice world of Dune, he wouldn't be able to stay on Kaladin anymore. And if he left this planet, he would assign a minor house to become its steward. And that might be House Iosa's ultimate goal right now, is to be in a position where they are the you know the, the the first house that comes to mind the, the the you know the right hand of Atreides to be given uh, responsibility over Kaladin to look after it and so we've made the first move with the rice but we need to start making money and show that there's profit in this and we need to start feeding the known universe with uh, with our productions and there are other houses that are already doing that. There are already financial houses and trading houses within Kaladin that would be responsible for all of that stuff where you would have to work through the spacing guild and smuggling in this universe is very difficult to do if you don't have someone on the inside. So I'll be that character on the inside. I would arrive after our move against Welderin and I come from the spacing guild itself as a guild agent who is showing up on the doorstep and has offered full allegiance and loyalty to house Iosis. And I will help get your things to where they need to go. And we won't have to worry about official routes at first, but once we get to the other side and we are already feeding those worlds, we will be able to maneuver these houses in such a way that they won't be able to deny your importance and your vital place in the world. And, you know, maybe there's a, a an ulterior motive here where I get, into more powerful positions within the spacing guild or the trading organization called Chome, and maybe one day maybe the board of directors. I would never turn that down if that if that were to be offered to me. I would be honored and, and I would serve at the pleasure. And so, uh, enter my my uh, my smartass smarmy smuggler is my uh, is my is my trait my uh, archetype that I'm picking up. But also there are additional rules if you play with a faction. Both of you are just playing as members of Iosis, but you have the option of playing as a Benny Jesserit or, or a Mentat or a Spacing Guild agent. So I had a look at that. So I get the additional trait of Guild agent. I'm not a navigator. I'm not moving through space. I'm, I'm, I'm very human. And I'm pro- <laughs> there are probably many in the Spacing Guild that, that don't even care who I am. I'm not important on the cog. Uh, and so, uh, so I'm using my... I, I'm playing a very dangerous game because if I'm ever caught as a smuggler in the Guild, I will just probably cease to exist <laughs> entirely. And so as a guildsman, I get a mandatory talent where I can call upon the guild uh, and contact them for um, help and advice. And I could even uh, also take another talent, which allows me to actually smuggle things through the guild ships, uh, which is kind of cool. Uh, as an infiltrator, um, they're under the adept as a smuggler, not an infiltrator, as a smuggler. Um, I get the, the trait smuggle. My primary skill is move. Both of yours are your secondary skills, but that's my first one. And my secondary skill is battle. So we're actually, you and I are, are opposites of each other. Opposite. We probably yeah. have very different ideas, Sean, uh, or Mazar, of, of how to go about things. You would rather look <laughs> your enemy in the eye, and I would rather steal from their pockets, move it to the other place, and then sell it back to them. Um, and so uh, uh, my focus is pilot and unobtrusive, my talent, subtle step, uh, selfish by nature, uh, as are many who flaunt the law to achieve their goals. Most tend to seek wealth and power from their work. Others take a stance driven by a sense of justice. I, I think I'm definitely going down the r- r- power over any of those. Um, I'm, I'm an opportunist. I haven't thought of a name. I was hoping that would just kind of descend upon me and uh and light the way um but uh looking at yours oh did you have a name in mind um brandon yeah uh or i was just like an infiltrator i didn't want to just call you infiltrator and i was just blanking out i have xavier xavier with an x with an x clearly nice so we got xavier and mazar with two a's 
so maybe I'll just be, I'll, I'll go as something that doesn't have X's and Z's, something that sounds <laughs> a little bit softer and rounder, which definitely sounds like I'm not from around here. Mm. So, um, Roth, uh, R O T H. Um, and, and like some of these names in Dune are both alien. And then you have like Paul, um, <laughs> Paul, right. Right. Jessica. Or, or even or Jessica or Gurney, even Gurney kind of sounds like that's a hospital um, bed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so, so maybe, maybe my last name could just be a thing. <laughs> Cause uh, I have this uh, concept too, is that the, the reason I'm a smuggler with the guild uh, and I'm, and I'm working like a, like a, all these back channels is I'm late to the game as an agent because I was originally on track to become a navigator, but I washed out. Mm. And so I have spent my whole time on the secret world of Junction, where the guild trains their navigators, but I failed. I never did that, but I got a little bit of the taste of spice, and I saw a little bit of what it was like to see all of time and space in one single instance, and then it was taken away from me because I wasn't compatible. And so that has probably left me a little unhinged <laughs> and, and, a, and, a, and a little on edge. And there's a, a move that you can actually get as a failed navigator where you can spend dice to like see that, remember what it was like to see all of the universe as like a triggering PTSD flashback. Oh, geez. Um, in a way that can both create complications in a scene, but also create very specific opportunities. Um, <laughs> because the, the way it works is in Dune, uh, you can, it, depending on your connection to Spice, contact and speak to memories through time as if they are alive and standing in front of you. And you can communicate with them and converse with them. And in fact, uh, it, I was just listening to this other podcast where you're getting into the really weird stuff with with uh, Paul's son, Leto, too, where he's having conversations with his own memories through thousands of years of existence. Yep. As if he has a council of himself to debate with. <laughs> and it's very, very weird. So uh, I wonder if that's a bit of um, the insanity that's kind of inside of Roth is oh. his what-if navigator taunting and talking to him and revealing all the things he couldn't have, but as just, like, bad dreams now. Um, so um, maybe I'm just Roth. Maybe that's all it is. Uh, it, it just leads to the additional secrecy of, is, is that my real name? Am I really who I am? All that other kind of stuff. But I, I seem to be able to get stuff onto, onto guild ships, so that you can't spoof. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't. You don't. You don't. You don't spoof things with the guild. They'll destroy you and your planet and everyone who ever knew. Uh, so, uh, um, uh, so that that part at least seems to be true. But why he's helping Iosis? On the other hand, you're you're you don't have much of a choice, right? You need a contact with the guild in order to do what you need to do. He's the one we've got. Mm-hmm. So, uh, step three: you assign ratings to each skill. The primary skill listed in your archetype is rated as a six. The secondary skill in your archetype is rated as a five. The other skills are all rated at four. You then get to add five more points to your skills to a maximum of eight. So, for me, my uh, my move then is a six, or at least it starts as a six, and my battle is a five, and the rest all start at four. So, those are your those are your starting points, and then you have five more points to to add to a maximum of eight on any of those um but your focuses uh you can choose four focuses assign them to skills at least one should be assigned to your primary skill your archetype will offer suggestions as you may wish so four focuses so um uh, the the focuses there for dualist were dueling and short blades but you can yeah, I took uh, you both also, of those. You also want to create like two more and you assign those. So not every skill is going to have a focus um, because we have we have five skills. And you're only picking four focuses. But when you use a skill with your focus, it increases if it's anything like Star Trek, it increases how um, normally you would only get like a critical success when you roll a one. But instead, you would roll a critical success if you rolled under the number of that focus. So if your focus is an eight, you now get a critical success for one to eight, right? That's a huge critical range now. Um, mm. And uh, as long as your, your move aligns with your focus. So you could be using battle 
but if you're using battle while you're using a, a long range weapon or a long blade or a spear, it won't work. But if you're using it with your short blade, your dagger or, or anything similar, um, then you get the, the critical range increase, right? Yeah. So you could still use battle at eight. But when you use battle at eight while using a short blade, you activate your focus. So you're looking at your focuses. You want them to be specific so that they come up in a moment of strategy, but not so specific that they're never used in the game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And, um, and so for my smuggler, my focus can be uh, pilot and unobtrusive. And so I think I would put unobtrusive under move because it allows me to... <laughs> I wonder if there was a, a strategy meeting happening at House Iosis and I was just at the table one day and I was just interrupting and interjecting and offering strategy. And then at one point I was like, sorry, who are you? Who let you in? Oh, Agent Roth from the Spacer Guild at your service. I was sent to represent your house. Were you? I mean, you got into the room. Yes, I did. <laughs> You're here, and I've just but I mean, been here, and I, and I get thrown out. I just show up at the next meeting again, and it's like one of those like at first it seems like a continuity error when you're watching the TV show because this character is just standing in the room who wasn't there before. I've always been here. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> How long have you been in the room? Uh, about since the beginning time. I, I could even do that in the game. I could use my unobtrusive focus and move into a scene without being detected, and then I could retcon it to be I've been here since the beginning of the scene. I heard everything that was said. Nice. Uh, because I also get the talent subtle step, and I think that would uh, fit along those uh, well-versed in methods of avoiding notice. You reveal little that you do not intend to. So when you attempt to move or otherwise pass unseen, uh, you can assess the subtlety during a conflict, and the first extra D20 you purchase is then free. <laughs> so, And combat doesn't have to be fighting either. Combat can be court intrigue. It can be a debate. It can be social... It can be there's a, a lot of different ways the word combat is used in this game. And so uh, basically almost any time you're rolling a dice against another character, even if it's just in a duel or a debate, that would, uh, would all count under the rules as combat. So that's cool. I'm definitely going to take a subtle step. Mm -hmm. And my other focus, uh, what it suggests, was pilot. Um, yeah, I guess I need to be, I, I, I'm probably running the shuttle back and forth between the moon and Kaladin and the moon and the spacer guild ship. And if I'm actually going to be smuggling the rights, I guess I have to physically be the smuggler sometimes. Right. You'd have so, to be able to fly a thopter perhaps. Yes. Yeah, so I'm going to put that under my battle skill and I might put composure under communicate. Hmm. Because I'm definitely playing this smarmy character who's always got a smile. And I think I'm the other way around uh, where you were writing down affable, ruthless. I think I'm putting it down as like I. The smile under my smarmy, like there is a, there is a genuine affableness about this character, but he's not ruthless underneath. He's greedy, mm. right? He's just he's selfish. He comes off as I'm here to help my fellow man, but he's not. If there's nothing <laughs> in it for him, he will just leave you to starve. But he will often feed people around him because at least in this moment in life, helping you helps him. Nice. I think social awareness under understand is what I'm going to put down. I can read a room and I, 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 I probably feed on awkward circumstances because that's when things in the room change. So what were you looking at, Sean, as you were talking? Or Brendan, I guess we could talk with you. Your, your, uh, your, your discipline is your big one, and then your move is your second one, and the rest start at four. And, uh, and then those all boost up. Uh, as an, uh, an infiltrator, um, it suggests uh, the two focuses are infiltration and precision. Do you right. want to use those? I think I do. Yeah, where do you want to put infiltration? Probably move, I'd imagine. Your precision. That'd be a discipline. I don't really sure where that would go. It could go anywhere. I mean, you could yeah. put it under battle, right? Like, like it, it, the thing is, with with the uh, the higher the number is also sometimes means. I know with drive, you can only use your drive that's at maximum number if you are using it with your statement. Oh, really? Okay. Without the statement, you're not actually allowed to use the drive unless you're spending additional momentum 
or 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 uh, or uh, determination points in order to be able to use your drive freely. Otherwise, you can only use that drive when it's attached to the statement, and that that that, that, that creates kind of a, a number cap, so you're not always rolling with the high number. So, like using a focus on a low skill kind of gives that lower skill a little bit more oomph. That makes sense. Let's put it on a battle. That makes that makes it fun. Yeah. I mean, as an infiltrator, sometimes you have to defend yourself. Also, That's you've fair. got five points to spend, so you can always yeah. just because your battle is starting at four, you could bring it up to a nine if you want to dump it all in. No, there. I think it oh, no, to, to an eight. eight. Yeah, you could bring it all the way up to an eight, and then spend one more point on your other skills if you really wanted to like boost that up and just create this weirdly right, right. inflated character. Yeah, and you get you get you also get the subtle step, just like I did. Exactly. So I, I feel like the two of you, you and me, maybe as like. Is he flirting with you? I just keep <laughs> dead dropping things into your pocket, like the re- reverse pickpocketing <laughs> into you it, to see if I could, how much I can do without you noticing. <laughs> like you're, you're a challenge to me, Xavier. I think that makes it fun. I love a person with a nice geometric figure for an initial. <laughs> <laughs> makes it easier to forge the signature. Mm. Yeah, and then you've got two other focuses you mm. could fill in as well. Oh, uh, I would go with uh, deceit and to communicate. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it's botany and to understand. Oh, interesting. I, I you know, I figure I, I definitely know. You need to have a you need to have a hobby. Exactly, or you know, poison. You never know. Also, we're f- technically all farmers, That's right? True. Right. <laughs> this is a farming house, right, guys? Yeah. Yeah. We do rice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good for that. Uh. Oh my goodness! Okay, Aerith Mazar, our duelist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so your big focus is battle. Correct. So I put that all the way up to eight. Oh, excellent! And then your big move uh, is your second one. So I put more points uh, into move and understand because I think he's kind of a balance between like he's a troubleshooter, so he's good at dueling, but he's also good at okay observing situations and reading the room. That's kind of his thing. And so for your uh, for your duelist, your uh, your dueling skill, where did that drop into so battle? I, I actually threw that into move. Uh, oh, excellent! Because I figured he, that's a big part of like dueling is running around the room yeah. and dodging things. So. Yeah, parrying and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then short blades. That that went under battle. That seemed like the place to put that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I also took Canley. And Are you put sure that you under. don't want to put short blades into communicate? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you I can say a lot with a uh, with a knife. You could speak a lot with the edge of the knife. Yep. Uh, what was your two focuses? Oh, so I also grabbed Canley and put that in battle, and I took mm. understand and put combat uh, awareness in understand. Because I figure him reading people, and actually it goes with the talent that I picked for him. And so um, Canley, that went under communicate or discipline? Uh, that went under, oh, I put it under battle, but actually, yeah. Oh, probably yeah, because you already put short blades under there. Oh, uh, right, so it only goes under one. Uh, so in that case, yeah. I put that under communicate for sure. So after talents is, is our drive and our drive save. Drives are very similar to focuses and, and talents in the way they're done. Uh, however, uh, unlike uh, you don't have numbers you put into it, you just get f- these five numbers. Rank the five drives in the order of the importance of your character. Rake, uh, ratings eight, seven, six, five, and four. Eight is your most important. And, and these, there's, there's no... Um, there's no, it's just what is your most important drive for your character, right? Is, is, is duty more important than faith? And even says, like, do you have a hard time filling this out? Don't worry about asking one against the others. Just ask one question at a time. Duty or faith? Duty or justice? Duty or power? And then rank how many times each wins those face-offs, and then that'll rank your numbers in order. Uh, so for me, I already, I think I put power, it goes right up at the top. That makes a lot um, of sense. And uh, I don't think, I think Faith is going to drop at the bottom for me just because of the gilding side. Mm-hmm. Um, a sense of justice, ooh, a sense of duty, mm, sense of truth. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm playing more like Garrick now, don't I? <laughs> from these ways nine. It's like even the lies, especially, especially the, the lies. lies. And Garrick was a character that was driven by the truth and by manipulating the truth, mm-hmm. right? By twisting the truth so many times, you didn't even know where the lies were half the times. So I'm definitely going to put truth as a drive up there at the top, but it's going to be kind of inverted. Um, uh, my sense of duty would be higher up because I want to be on the board of directors. So then justice 
yeah, my ethics is is in the tank. I think that makes a lot of sense. What are you, what are you thinking, um, uh, Brendan, with with your with your weighing your numbers? I put um, duty as my uh, primary, so, so yeah. that is eight. Then I went power seven, truth six, faith five, and justice four. Cool. And what about you, Aerith Mazar? Uh, I put power first at eight. Of course you do. Duty uh, close second at seven, uh, followed by justice, then truth, and very last faith. None of us considered faith all that important. Which is, which no, is really going to be awkward group. when the leader of our house becomes a god messiah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's really setting us up for, for success here. <laughs> yeah. Um, He's faking. It's fine. Was he? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he was. That, that, well, I mean, that's arguable. That's kind of the point of the book is that's up for debate. But. So your three highest drives will be given statements. Those highest drives can only be used when you use those statements, right? And so this is where the thing is, you're, even though your, your, your justice or your faith might be low, it might be the only one you can roll with when, because you don't have a statement that works because your numbers are so high. So the uh, uh, drive statements should be easy to understand so that you and the game master can both understand when they're helpful, when they are a hindrance, and when they don't apply at all. Uh, you will want to have at least one drive statement that poses a problem for your character because that's how you can gain more determination to spend. A drive statement is one of the driving forces of the character's worldview and personality, shaping how they interact with the world around them and providing motivation for the things that they do. You'll similarly want at least one drive statement, which is helpful to your character because that gives you more opportunities to use a higher drive score and more opportunities to spend determination. Drive statements do not have to be positive about the drive that they're attached to. Someone with a strong drive in truth doesn't have to be honest, and someone who believes strongly in faith may believe that religion and is, is dangerous or harmful. So you might have strong opinions about faith or a strong worldview about faith, and it might not be that this is important to me. This is, this is important that it is not important to me. Uh, your drive statements can and should change over time. The game allows for a character to change their beliefs, changing the order of priority and the attached statements to reflect how people's feelings and opinions can shift over time. It doesn't matter if your drive statement contradicts one another. A person can hold conflicting beliefs, and the situations when those conflicting beliefs clash is often a source of interesting role play. A broad range is also good, so you have the option to use the statement on any test. So it can be something like, my family trusts me, or I get what I want, or I'm the heir of my house. So your top three. So my top three is power, truth, and duty. I think my power is going to come from I will be recognized because I was oh, I, I should have been a navigator and, and everyone recognizes them. Um, truth. I'm just going to write down the statement, especially the lies, <laughs> just to <laughs> lift that directly from Garrick. And then my duty statement, because I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, an opportunistic asshole smuggler. I think rising tide might be my statement there. That's because I'm realizing if I, if I help, which is fun because I'm also on a moon house. <laughs> so it's probably affecting the tides of Caledon. Um, so the, the idea of the, by helping this house rise into power, it'll help me rise into power and it all kind of feeds back in. So rising tide. Uh, what are you thinking? Uh, who did I go with first last time? I'm going to change the order. I think it was uh, last time I started with, with Brendan. So I'll, I'll start with Sean. Sure. So I actually had originally made them a little longer. I think I'm revising them a bit. Oh, you can make them as long as you want. I just, I just don't like writing. Oh, oh, well, in that case. <laughs> I'm just lazy. <laughs> uh, I will keep with what I had. That, that's what we have Mentats for, Sean. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> I have just a few around me. <laughs> Mentat, dictate this for me. Mentat, play Despacito. Oh, God. Despacito just start rena- <laughs> rename your Alexa Mentat. Uh, so in that case, I will go with what I had. So uh, for power, uh, I put in war or politics, second best is for the weak and the dead. Uh, that's my primary drive. So he does not settle for second best. And dead. and uh, so then your next one down was duty. Duty. So uh, Iosis secured my future. I shall ensure theirs. You scratch my back. I'll scratch yours. Yep. Yeah. They took care of me. I will take care of them. Iosis. And uh, your justice. Uh, what man doesn't try to make the world better? 
Yeah, then you look over at Roth and you're like, oh. <laughs> that guy. That guy. Oh. <laughs> I'm not here about to make the world better. I'm here to make my world more comfortable. <laughs> All right, Xavier. Yeah, so your top one was duty. I said house till the end. House to the end. Which you think is going to be a very long time. Yeah, hopefully. Who knows? Turns out it'll be about eight years. Yeah, it's good enough. <laughs> uh, <laughs> power. Uh, I put nothing stands in my way. What's really fun in this, if you're running a GM set a couple years before Dune, is because the, the world of Dune and the books are constantly dealing with themes of prescience and of, of the future and of ripples of time. You can play with the knowledge of what is going to happen over the next books and have them be revealed to your characters in the campaign. And that would be perfectly fine. Whereas uh, something like Star Trek or other settings, it would be cheesing it. It would be, you know, it would be like, oh, like, you know, Enterprise would constantly be uh, making nods to the Borg or the Ferengi or like all these little things that we won't really know about for a hundred years. Oh, why? transporters. I wonder what those are. And <laughs> like, 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 like it, it, it always felt a little cheap, a little cheesy bit of fan service. Whereas if you did that exact same thing in Dune, it's actually part of the lore. Yeah. Or all the backstory because they're characters who have the genetic memory of all of their ancestors. Right. So, like they yeah, know this yeah. stuff. Like Assassin's Creed style. So <laughs> what's your truth statement? Uh, truth, I have cutting through the lies. Cutting through the lies. <laughs> and with me, with Roth, that's like cutting through a rat, rat's nest. It's just, you just never stop cutting through. Uh, it's like a, a inf- rat king. It's just, it's just an infinite. It's like a, it's like a cable. It's like that, 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 that bundle of cables everyone has just underneath their bookshelf. Uh-huh. Ugh. <laughs> but with truth. Um, all right. So then uh, so that 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 finishes up our, our our drives and our drive statements. And then the last bit is your your character begins with three assets, one of which must be tangible. So like one of my assets is probably um, an intangible connection to. Um, uh, chome or, or like trade routes or, or, or something like that. Whereas it, uh, you must also have like tangible assets. These are, these are assets you can call upon in battle or in a scene or, or you can bring up. Um, and, uh, we don't, we don't have to really worry about that right now, but they'd be, they'd be important in play. And so it could be, uh, uh, for, for our duelist, it could be your, your, your blade. And it's not just like any blade. It's a very particularly important blade passed down through centuries, maybe rolled away from the butt led, the butlerian jihad. And, uh, uh, and it's something that, that has been handed to you as, as this important family heirloom, or it could be, um, in, in the case of, of, of myself, it could be some, some spice that I w- used when I was um, washing out as a navigator. And I don't use it. I just keep it on me as like around my neck or a little vial or something, right? Like as an, a, as an amulet that uh, as a reminder of, of, of my failure or, or as my drive to be recognized one day um, or, or the infiltrator uh, you, you tell me, right? So, so these assets can be, they're, they're, they're items that can be common items that are made special because of their connection to you. And then they, uh, they can be used like a normal knife. Uh, but then, uh, you might get additional bonuses to that because this is a, a special item and they don't even have to be tangible in the case. Like they, they could be, um, uh, maybe as an infiltrator, you have a team, you have, you have like a, 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 a like a, a special forces, that you can call upon of like four other, your bad batch <laughs> that you can call upon. And they're, they're, you, you can't, it, it, the, the assets cap out of being like a military. They're people that you can like directly control or order. Uh, it could be, a, 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 as a duelist, it could be a connection to a guild. Uh, of like a local training organization uh, that you could call upon for backup. Um, and so they don't have to be a physical item either. I kind of like, I love that. Like they can be, one must be a tangible asset, but the other two are up to you. Uh, and then, uh, and then you choose a trait based on your reputation or your personality, uh, similar to what uh, Sean already did with the uh, affable and ruthless. Uh, you decide on your character uh, a goal for your character related to your highest drive. So this is your ambition, and this ambition is something that you are hoping to accomplish 
soon in the game. And in fact, if you do, um, it, it, it will help you advance your character. You get more advancement points uh, and, and, and it plays through. So every character has an ambition. It guides their long-term actions. A character who takes steps to achieve their ambition will become more capable, more influential, and more effective. So your ambition should be based on your highest related drive or highest rated drive. And the game master would work with you to define one for your character. So if we were playing a proper game, the game master would already know in advance what campaign we were thinking of playing. And they would maybe help massage your drive so that it was compatible with the story we were about to get into. Because uh, the worst thing you want to have is like, I want to become ruler of Kaladin. Good luck. And then, and then the first episode, we blow up Kaladin. Right. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like you don't want to uh, have, like, it's, you could have an impossibly high ambition that you're never going to achieve, but it means you always have a goal to aim for. But the last thing you'd want is uh, um, to be like, I want to become Leto's best friend if the campaign is about to start a day before Leto's assassination. Right. So, so the game master would help make sure that your ambition is, is, is a compatible with the story you're about to play as. Um, if you're playing a game that's entirely going on Dune, you might not want your ambition to be, I want to have a swim. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so my, my number one, uh, statement, uh, my, my drive was, uh, I put down power. Yeah. That was the one that was, that was leading me, which I'm thinking now maybe should have been truth, but, uh, I could, I could, twi- I could twist that around. Um, so, ambitions for power are often about gaining influence or status, uh, taking those things from others, manipulating those with influence. Uh, ambitions for truth would include uncovering knowledge or revealing secrets. Okay. Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't, I'm not interested about that. I'm interested in the power part. Ambitions for, um, uh, duty are, uh, about service to a cause or a group. Uh, so who was, uh, it was duty was the highest one and power, um, uh, was for both of ours. Yep. I guess my ambition would be to be placed in a director position, to be placed on the board of directors of Chome, right? I want to. I want a seat at the table. That's my ambition. I, I'm probably never going to achieve it, but it would inform every move I'm doing. Is this taking me towards or away from that goal, right? And the minute Iosis can't help me towards that goal, I'm selling them to House Harkonnen. That makes sense. <laughs> right. <laughs> So for Xavier, your number one duty or drive is for duty. So your duty ambition is about service to a cause or a group, discovering or understanding one's place in the universe, or freedom from the strictures and responsibilities that constrain you. What would be your your character goal, ambition? I said to help uh, to rise the house is what I put as my ambition. So maybe as a game master, I would be like, to raise the house to what? Like what? Mm. What? Like like is it to be to be like? Um, do you want? Iosis to become a major house one day. I mean, my I made my. Um, should Atreides fall, we should take over Kaladin and be recognized as a major house. To be fair, I did put duty as my one thing, as my top thing. So right now, it's kind of how can I help this house yeah. become as big yeah, as it and, and certainly get. that's what you want. And as a game master, I would be like, okay, but is there a, spe- a specific goal for the house right. that you would? Leave? I because mean, because we all want to help raise the house, but if you have a specific goal of one day Iosis will be a major house, I mean, when if if that's a little bit more ambitious, right? I mean, if they're away, we could definitely take over their role. Just saying, not yeah. gonna not gonna disparage our major house here but you know if they're gone we'll happily take the major houses fall all the time yeah. and minor houses then step in or maybe we can take another planet yeah and make it our own and 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 become a newly recognized major house i mean with all that fashion we have going on you never know yeah exactly <laughs> if we find a planet of silkworms we're set from the planet forget <laughs> dune we're gonna found the planet of silk the uh, silk must flow yeah it's just a big marshy planet full of silkworms giant Story high silk You know that, that sounds terrifying. That sounds absolutely terrifying, but also awesome. <laughs> Planes of threaded silk that you can like skate on. Oh, that um, sounds just the worst thing ever. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> a, there's a lot of ASMR happening on that planet. Yeah. Harris uh, <laughs> Mazar, your number one was also power, uh, but what's your ambition? Right. So for my ambition, I put. A very achievable, become unbeatable in single combat. <laughs> so you want to become one punch man? Yeah. No, no become pressure. Become one punch man. Well, because his his power statement was that second best is for the weak and the dead, so he should never be second best. 
So you will only fail this ambition when the game master kills you. Yeah. <laughs> so so is there a particular oh, right. then? Okay, so you want to become unbeatable. Right. So is there someone out there who is unbeatable that you would like to beat Ooh, right. in a one-on-one duel? Maybe that's your ambition. Right, defeat so-and-so. You know, have your rumble in the Dune jungle. Oh, man. I mean, I know characters from Dune, but that's... Hmm. Yeah, is there is there a character you know, dude? Is oh, yeah. there a character there, out there that you would like your character to go one on one with? Oh, Raban in a one on one duel. Defeat Raban publicly in single combat. Who is Raban? Uh, Raban is the heir to House, House Harkonnen, and he is a known duelist. And oh, is he the, the character that was played by Sting in the movie? Yeah, he, Sting was that <laughs> in that in that terrible movie. Uh, upcoming, he's going to because they love their very... knife duels on Harkonnen. Oh, oh yeah, in House Harkonnen. That's what they, they love. Do. Those they have gladiatorial combats all the time, and he is the best of the best. Hey, and they've already and they've got they've got a uh, uh, a Canley declared against our major house. So there's a chance that you may face off against Raban in one on one combat. It is entirely possible. And so you want to have you want to defeat Raban and you want to defeat Raban publicly. publicly because that would also <laughs> secure that like our house is not something to mess with. Yeah, All right, that's a very good ambition. I like that. And that means we can play more Sting in our game. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're going a very different direction with him in the new movie, but we'll see. <laughs> oh God. So that's uh that 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 wraps up. Uh there's there's uh there's some personal details, names, appearances, relationships, there's uh uh you know our talents and our assets and like other minor cho- choices. But I think that really gets our characters written down. Uh and 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 the rest would be filled out either as we were playing or or before our session, right? This is enough for the GM to take and like edit and and, and do a little extra extra work on it. Um so we've had some time here building our house, learning about this world, making our characters. Uh, before we break for the day, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this setting. One, as we always do when we're playing Session Zero, how connected do you feel to these characters after going through this process? And second, is this a game you would actually, a campaign you would like to see play through? Because sometimes we play Session Zero goes like, actually, I don't think I want to play Cyberpunk Red. Or, holy crap, I really want to see what happens next in Simba Room. And, uh, and so we've had a couple of times playing these Session Zeros where we, we, we make these characters and we either feel exhausted or we feel really fired up. So I'd love to know where on that, um, on that scale you find yourself at. Uh, Brendan, how, how, did, how did you feel about Dune Adventures in the Imperium? I think I, I really liked how it kind of all functioned. I do want to... I do wish the um, character creation was a little bit more streamlined because there's a lot of going forward and backward through the book. Especially when you're, especially when you're a PDF, it's just a lot of like scrolling up, scrolling down, scrolling up. It was just yeah. a little tedious. And there. it's frustrating because in Star Trek Adventures, the life path creation process that they've written down is very, very streamlined. And it uses almost the same rules as this. And I really wish that the Dune Adventures had a similar life path creation where you could go through your character's origin stories, choosing options, and then assigning bits to your character. But that's, I think, a little too difficult in this because of the way statements and focuses work. Right. Um, but it isn't exactly, um, you kind of need to keep that first page bookmarked because you're going to be flipping through all the others yeah. and you want to be able to see what steps you've got. Uh, and there is like a cheat sheet you can print out specifically for character creation to help you guide and like have like a map to follow. But it is a lot of, okay, now I go up to the ambitions and then I got to flip over to talents and then I got to go back to the archetype and what focuses were there and you're, you're going back and forth. And it would be nice to have, um, because they've got this option that we just did, which is uh, uh, making a bespoke character. And then there's another option called creation in play, where you make your character as you're playing the game. And I think that's really difficult. Uh, but they don't have the streamlined life path option that they had in Star Trek Adventures. And I really missed that here. And what about your character, Xavier? Uh, how... how um how invested do you feel in, like, would you make fan fiction about this character? I like this character. I thought he was really fun to play as. He, or rather, it was fun to kind of create. And I'd love to see how he actually did work in the game. Yeah. So is he going to exist, take up some real estate in your imagination now? I think a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Wonder what, what Xavier's up to now? I think so. What about you, Sean? Aerith Mazar. How did you feel about Dune Adventures in the Imperium? Uh, so I have a couple different thoughts. Uh, I thought the character creation generally got the world across really well. Like it made, it made it very exciting to play in the Dune universe, which I thought was well done. Uh, but similar to you guys, the 
I really was starting to lose hope going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Like I was starting to lose momentum. I was finding it slightly frustrating to make just to figure out how to make this character. And I wasn't sure how the mechanics were going to really come together in the game uh, until I got to the talents. And then the talents actually kind of brought it back. I found that they were very flavorful, very evocative, and they all gave you a kind of an idea of what your character could do. And it really brought me back into the universe. And I am. That's a really good point. Yeah. And the, the talents in Star Trek Adventures I found to be very crunchy. They were the crunchier part of the game. They were like, this talent will gain you two momentum when you use a thing, when you order another character around, or whenever you're doing an engineering check, take one extra momentum point, or things like that. Like, and and or 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 like feats in Dungeons and Dragons, where it like gives you a bonus to roundhouse kicking. These talents, as they were written, were very role play heavy. They're all like, you can use this to call in a favor from the guild, or you can use this to see through time, or you can use this to manipulate a per like it's it's really showing off that the majority of this game will not you may never actually fight anything in a Dune RPG. You might end up just be debate and maneuver and be part of that kind of intriguing spycraft story. And uh, and so the talents really really support that play style with lots of options to like like my character being able to smuggle things onto a guild ship to get them to a different planet, which would be incredibly dangerous for anyone who wasn't a guild agent to be able to do. And so it plays into um, those themes of I'm 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 skirting with authority and I'm 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 pushing the envelope and I'm playing with fire and one day I'm going to get burned. And I haven't, I, I, now that I think about it, I, I, it's very rare to see that level of role play prompt yeah. in a list of talents. Like I, I They're took almost a, always mechanical yeah. in nature. Like there, there's a talent I took, which is a line from, a lot of the talent names are lines from the book, which I thought was really neat. Um, and the, so I took to fight someone is to know them. And literally you learn things about someone by fighting them. And you have to pick a skill when you take it. It doesn't have to be battle. Can, so it's like doing like an insight check to read someone, but you're doing it while you're fighting them. Yeah. And, that and it's be not about winning or losing. You're just dueling or fencing. But as you do that, you learn important qualities and traits about that character. You can be Grand Admiral Thrawn in this game, which is yeah. just amazing. It's so cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. This would be a really cool system of rules to use because there isn't really a Star Wars RPG anymore now that Fantasy Flight has shut their... Uh, tabletop RPG division down. They're just focusing on board games. So Edge of the Empire is out of print. So there isn't really a license out there for a Star Wars RPG. And I feel like a system like this would work really well because Star Wars is far too often thought to just be about dogfighting and blaster firing. But the best stories out there are Thrawn and Tarkin and, you know, characters maneuvering for power within these like systems of power. And, uh, yeah, it would be really interesting to see something like that work into this. Mm -hmm. But overall, I think they did a pretty good job. I just, yeah, I would have liked it to be a little more streamlined to get me more into the game without the the sort of the headache of back and forth. Yeah, well, and, and it, it is something, too, that um, we didn't get into it much, but if you're actually playing the game, you might be an agent on a planet and sending people off to do things on your behalf, and you could choose to play those characters as support players who then go off on like a one-shot mission where you play as a different character for a, a scene because there might be no reason for you to send the Spacer Guild smuggler or the duelist out on this trip. They stay behind on Iosis or on Ios, uh, and, uh, and you play as, as essentially a Star Trek redshirt for an episode. And then when you're done, that character is reabsorbed in terms of advancement points that they earned back into your primary character. And then that support character can live in the background and another player could play that person the next time you need to have uh, a pilot and someone could play that pilot because no one is currently playing an orthocopter pilot. And so you could have this like this character that can show up. And then I keep talking about Star Trek because Star Trek Adventures uh, lives in my brain. But Chief O'Brien would have started as a transporter chief support character before becoming a primary character in Deep Space Nine, but it, it would have started as mechanically in the game as a support character first. We need someone to be in the transporter room to beam the away team up, but that's not important enough to be a, a, a single player character that you play full time. You're only going to play that in specific scenes where you need this character to come in. And you could do that, and, and it expects, they've, they've made it much more robust in Dune, where they expect you to be playing support characters a lot in Dune. Right. And so 
a lot of the reasons why I think the character creation process in this book isn't as streamlined and plays more like a checklist is you're, you might be coming back to this chapter several times as you're playing the campaign to create your Gurney Hallux and your other uh, uh, B roster that are going to be brought in for specific uses and then and then go back into the background and then be brought back and forward whenever they're called upon. And uh, and so um, I, I get the impression that it, as 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 not streamlined as it is, it it would flow if you're having to come back to it a lot. I can see that when you're when right. you're only having to reference specific things to fill in what you need. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think they anticipated that. It, unlike other games, the character creation process is going to be something that you're going to end up repeating several times. And it's going to become more um, secondhand than it would in others. Where, where in Star Trek, you make your main cast and then you're done. And you might make a B character, but you're not really going to invest a lot of time into them unless, unless you end up playing them a lot more. So you end up, the, the, the play in, the creation in play rules are more than enough to support that. Whereas if you made a, a, a Gurney Halleck as, as, as a support character, creation and play might not work as well. You're going to want to know their motivations, their ambitions, their statements and focuses um, before you roll the first die. Right. So, all right. The last question then for you, Sean, Aerith Mazar. Um, how invested do you feel about Mazar? Would, is this a character you would love to actually play in a campaign and see where they go? Oh, heck yes. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I really like this character. Uh, I like everybody's characters in this game, actually. I, I would play this campaign. Yeah, maybe maybe we will. I mean, the, the movie's coming out later this year. So uh, maybe maybe Dune is something we're, we're going to look. Because I, I love the 2D20 system. Um, it's kind of story-based, but it's um, it's got a little bit of crunch to, to, to remind me of those early days playing D&D. So... That, that's kind of all, all I've got for us now. Thank you so much. This was a very long episode uh, going through, so I appreciate the time you spent uh, with me. Like Dune, you don't think you're going to spend as much time with it, and then you do, and you go down the rabbit hole. So, uh, uh, yeah, this was, this was a lot of fun. Um, final thoughts uh, before I wrap things up with the, with the credit roll. I think it's good. I think it's uh, really well-structured. I think, as I said, the only downside I had was the character creation, but I think... Once you get past that, I think there's a lot of value to the game. So, uh, I believe it passes the test, and it is human. It will not get the gom jabar. <laughs> and for me, uh, this sounds like it would be interesting stories. And if you're looking for a game that isn't um, out to like run dungeons and fight monsters, even Star Trek, I found the phaser fire would end up happening. You'd end up having the, you know, the fight with the Romulans and you'd, you'd have like, you know, Star Trek does that all the time. You end up the, the final act, you, you, you pull out your phasers and you, you have a little show off that doesn't happen as much in Dune. And so it's got a bit of a slow burn pace. And this is a, a system that I really like the drive system. I really like writing those statements down and having those prompts on your page. Cause you don't just have your ambition. You have like, almost five statements written onto your character page when you create your character that are all a cross section of what is important to them that you can look at. So if you're, if you feel that you're not a strong improviser, um, this setting, this system will help you carry your character over that hill. Um, and, uh, and, and give you those prompts that you need in those moments. And if you're looking for something that is, uh, is more about intrigue and deception and diplomacy, um, this might be something to really look into. Uh, and, and I think it's going to complement the movie when it comes out this year very well. I think they've timed this out really wonderfully. And it's a beautiful book. It's got some amazing writing and art. And uh, uh, if, if, you, if you're a Dune fan, um, I think this is a no-brainer. Uh, if, if you're the kind of person who likes collecting anything Dune, uh, it's just like the, the Alien RPG or the Star Trek RPG. Um, it, it, these uh, we're, we're living in a really wonderful time where it used to be that IP being attached to a game like this would make the game cheaper. Uh, and, uh, and that we're, it is not the case anymore. Uh, when, when a game comes out that's based on an IP like this, a lot of love and care has gone into it. Oh, the art and, direction uh, for this is so good. Yeah, and even as you mentioned, there's so much direct quotes in the book. There's so much language and understanding. Like, they, they understand this setting. And even as someone myself who I haven't read the books, I've, I've just listened to podcasts who have read the books, um, it, I can still f- 
get the passion for this world through this book. And I, and I understand a little bit more about Dune having read, read this in a way that I wouldn't having read something more academic, like a wiki page. Yeah. I can see that. Well, that's all we've got for today. Thank you for joining us on another session zero. Uh, as always, if you're a supporter on our Patreon page, we'll be posting these character sheets on that page for you to be able to download and have. So you got you got a section of pre-generated characters or or inspiration for your next campaign, and uh, and there'll be we've got we got more coming out every day in terms of we're still recording stuff in, as we go into the summer now. So be sure to follow us on Twitter at Dice Warriors where you can stay up to date on what we are doing. I've done a lot on our website to to break everything down to the different sections because we've been doing session zeros and spotlights and behind the screens and and it's all there and I, and I hope it's a lot of user friendly but I'd love to hear your feedback on what that site looks like so you can always contact me at feedback at terriblewarriors.com or find me on Twitter myself at Mr. Ecock. Uh, Brendan where can we find you? You got you got uh, comics and gaming magazine still doing their thing. I do. CGMagOnline.com or you can follow me directly at BFI26 on Twitter and BFI26 on Instagram if you care. And, uh, and Sean, you're, uh, you're, you're, you're doing your thing, right? And you'll be back for more episodes with us. 100%. So thank you so much for joining us and thank you for joining us, my dear listener, and for, for taking us, uh, for, for following us down this, this sandy rabbit hole. And until we meet again when we're rolling dice at our tables and, and spending time and breathing the same air, Be good to each other. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.